the statistic is that it takes six to eight touch points to create a viable sales lead. And those are actual touch points. So that means that the message has to actually touch them. And then you have to do it five to seven more times from there. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a Swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. Welcome to the Brands at Book Show, where we help creative service-based businesses build their brands and find more clients. I'm your host, Davy Jones. Today's guest is Jessica Dradana, copywriter and brand messaging strategist for creative entrepreneurs. Jess and I chat about moving beyond a client profile to actually writing copy designed to convert visitors into clients. And I really appreciate the practical questions that Jessica outlines in this episode to help people think through the copy that they're writing. Be sure to check out the show notes at deviantcrista.com for the resources we mentioned during the episode. And I'd like to hear from you about what kind of content you'd like to see on the Brandset Book Podcast as we move forward. I'd also like to know what episodes have you enjoyed most so far and why. To leave your feedback, head on over to the Davian Krista Facebook page and send us a message. Now, on to the episode. All right, Jess, welcome to the Brandset Book Show. Excited to have another copywriter on the show. I have to say that, you know, especially as web designers and brand designers, copywriting is is probably one of the most frustrating aspects of building a website for most of our clients. So I'm excited to dig into this episode for tips that we can take back to our clients for sure. And I know it's just one of those, it's one of those topics for the show that's heavily requested. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Yeah, I understand that it is frustrating and sometimes an unexpected frustration when it comes to building a website, growing a brand, all of that kind of stuff. So I'm excited to be here. Yeah. So, and I think I know a little bit where your relationship with words started. All right. Because we, we were just talking a little bit about this before the show. We have sort of a shared background. We were both high school English teachers. I'm a little jealous because you got to teach some of the older students. I generally had the freshmen, sometimes sophomores, but let's take some time. Let's dig into how you got started with copywriting and where did this, this love of writing come from? Mm -hmm. So I was an English major in college after I was a music major and a hotel restaurant and tourism management major and a business major. So (laughs) I have a lot of passions, but I landed on English major because I just loved the writing and the reading and the making meaning out of things and being able to kind of put like any sort of spin on something and it's the right answer. So I enjoyed that. But one thing that I really, really resisted was being a teacher. Everybody asks English majors, oh, what are you going to do with that? And when you're quiet for a minute, they say, are you going to teach? And I would (laughs) want to like punch them in the face for just a second. And then I would definitely tell them, no, I'm not going to teach. But obviously that changed a little bit. So I was kind of steeped in creative community 
through Lara Casey and goal setting and all of that kind of stuff. And I really wanted to write in that sort of sphere when I got out of college. But in 2015, I found myself applying for teaching jobs because embarrassingly enough, I wanted an easy job to do. <laughs> How did that turn out for got- you? Uh, Not great. Yeah. (laughs) As I got my riding feet wet, I wanted to do an easy job. But from day one, it was like the rudest awakening that I've ever had in my life. I stepped into my classroom of 30 high school seniors in first period, 30 of them. And I had never been in a classroom before as a teacher. I didn't do student teaching. I didn't do anything like that. And so I walked in with my eight page typed speech on my first day for high school kids. And needless to say, that did not go well. (laughs) I was mostly talking about myself as they like put on makeup and talk to each other with their backs to me and things like that. So in my three years total of teaching, I went from that really embarrassing first day with lots of tears and just, it was hard to, (laughs) teaching other teachers and to really trying to harness like engagement and do things differently in the classroom and things like that. That's awesome. I thought teaching was one of the most challenging jobs that I've ever that I've ever had for so many reasons. Do you miss the classroom at all? I do. Yeah, I miss the kids. I'm very sarcastic by nature. So I really liked that you could kind of like push back and forth with the kids. And sometimes that's a little bit frowned upon in like adult life. So I miss that for sure. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I definitely I think that's what I miss most about teaching as well as the kids and teaching the actual content. I don't Mm -hmm. miss paperwork and kind of all the other administrative stuff that seems to change every single year. And that I think really, Mm -hmm. you know, adds to the, the challenge of teaching, but anyways, yeah, yeah, I mean, I just think that's, I think that's so funny that looking for an easy job end up walking into (laughs) probably what is one of the most challenging jobs out there. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. So it was kind of that thought that I had in terms of like, I love certain parts about teaching, but there are certain parts of it that I really could just never do again. It was about halfway through my third year. And I found myself asking myself, like, do I want to do this in five or 10 years? And the answer to that was no. And so I started kind of peeling back the layers saying no to like some leadership opportunities and different things like that. And finally it was time to say no to teaching. So I had always wanted to start a business, but I always tried to reach outside of myself to find a new thing that I could be good at when really teaching taught me that I always had it in me in the first place. And so I decided that my strengths were listening to people, illuminating things in them that maybe they didn't know, and then articulating that into words. And so that turned into copywriting for me. So I decided to start my business and I started my business, Davey, you'll love this, (laughs) without a website. And I just kind of told people, hey, I'm going to do this. And I was terrifyingly booked within my first week of business with the waiting list. And I kind of from that point had to run to catch up to sort of figure things out because the response overwhelmingly was like, oh, duh, of course you're doing this. (laughs) We want to be on board kind of thing. Yeah. So that worked out really well for me. 
No, and I, I mean, I think there's a lot of good insight there. I mean, just in terms of getting mm-hmm. started, I think that's okay. You know, I don't think you need mm-hmm. a website to get started. And actually, the person who introduced us, Jesse Marchecchio, mm-hmm. and I, along with a, a friend of ours, Ryan Akins, we just started a business running Facebook ads for people. And mm-hmm. we started without a website. You know, we just, we very recently got a very simple website up. But it was just a matter of putting it out there to the world and seeing what kind of people were interested and starting to book some clients. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I actually think maybe that's the right order in which to proceed Mm -hmm. just because it proves out the concept. You get an understanding of what people are actually looking for before you go and build your website. Because if you do it the Mm -hmm. other way, you run the risk of building this website that you need to then reinvest a ton of money into to change anyways. So, Mm -hmm. you know, I mean, as far as I, I mean, obviously we're website designers and, and brand designers. So right. we do think those things are important, but I think there's, there's a lot of value in the way that you got started. Mm-hmm. And I think there's this like misconception that a website is information when really the purpose of a website is really to like connect with people and show people that you are the person to solve their problem or whatever. And so I think in that sense, I was already connecting with people. And that was kind of like taking the place of a website at the beginning. And so I think it's easy to think, oh, I need a website so people will know what I offer. Well, you can just tell them what you offer at the beginning and then kind of go from there. So yeah. And I think I think what we perceive or what we think that people are going to be interested in, even if we have a general Mm -hmm. idea of the services that we're offering, of course, but even if like exactly what people are interested in and exactly what pain points they need solved might be a little bit different than what you anticipate them being, you know? And so Mm -hmm. through talking, you know, through those things with people, you get an opportunity to hear about those things. And then that, that can be translated to the copy that ends up on your website about your services. So Mm -hmm. I think a lot of, a lot of valuable insight in there. Where did you go for those first clients? Like when you put it out there into the world, what did Mm -hmm. that look like? On Instagram. So most of my clients typically come from Instagram. And I think there's a variety of reasons for that. But like I said, I was like kind of steeped in that creative community. So it started out, I was like original gangster Laura Casey fan. Like before (laughs) she had power sheets, she had like the blog series of how to set goals. And I used to do that just in a notebook and things like that. And so through her and through like I had a lot of photographer friends. And so I started following all of those kind of like creative community people on Instagram. And I just am kind of like a DM creep a little bit. And so I just like DM people just because I like to connect with people and things like that. And so I already kind of had relationships with people. And so I just put it out on Instagram that I was doing this thing and people asked me questions because they were comfortable to talk to me. And then I kind of just like asked people if I could do it for them. And so really like it wasn't necessarily asking for the sale, but it was like asking them, can I help you with this from the very beginning? And that was really, really helpful. Sure. And so was that just like, did you do that just to build up sort of a portfolio or did you charge people for that help? What did that look like just in getting those? I did charge people for it. Yeah. Okay. So from the very beginning. Yeah. Yeah. So I think like asking them if I could help them was kind of more like explaining to them what I did and like how I could solve a problem for them. And then I just kind of said, well, this is my price. And it was like a, I mean, 
it's not the same as my prices now, but sure. it was sure. something and it felt like, yeah, a good thing to me. It felt like actually starting a business. So yeah, yeah, no. And I, I think again, a lot, a lot of good insight there in charging something from the beginning. You know, I think mm-hmm. doing free work is always a little bit risky when you're first getting started. I don't necessarily think that there's anything wrong with it. As long as the terms of that free work are very clear, yep. you're doing it maybe for a testimonial review or something like that. Well, mm-hmm. I want to start diving into actually, you know, how we get these words out onto things like our website. Mm-hmm. And one of the pieces that we start with, at least through our branding questionnaire is having clients create a client profile or a client avatar. And I assume Mm -hmm. that you have clients do something similar. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I have clients really try to define who it is they're wanting to serve with their products or services or whatever, so that they know who they're talking to. And that's really important because like we talked about before, your website is not just information. It should be like speaking to someone. And if it's not, it's probably not going to be that effective. So that's a really good place to start is defining who that client is, the one client that you really want to serve. Awesome. And so what are some of the things that go into a client profile? You know, so as you're working through a client profile or a client avatar with people, what are some of the things that go into that? So Number one, naming them. I think that's really effective because it helps you to envision the person if they have a name. You can define their age. Their income level is really important because you kind of can further understand how their buying decisions are influenced based on their income level. Their where they live, where they shop, um, all of those kinds of things. But I think if you're going to have a dynamic ideal client profile, it's even more important to dive into why. So if you're thinking about, let's say Karen is our (laughs) ideal client and Karen lives in Nashville, we want to think about why she lives in Nashville because number one, she could be like wanting to be a country star Clearly, I don't live in Nashville, but (laughs) she could be wanting to be a country star. Or number two, she could have lived there her whole life and she really, really loves Nashville and like her heart is there and she has roots there. Or number three, she could have lived there her whole life and she's scared to go anywhere else. So those three different whys really represent a different kind of person. And that's going to influence how you speak to them and how you speak to their fears and their desires and all of that kind of stuff. So as you go through and determining somebody's why, what exactly are the kinds of things that you're, or what are the questions I guess that you're asking, you know, that second question of why for, you know, so for instance, Mm -hmm. you know, where people shop, would that be another question where you follow up that with, well, why do they shop there? Yeah, I think the why is the important part because I think a lot of times people get stuck with the ideal client profile because they're like, okay, I know that Karen sometimes shops at Target at 3 p.m. on Friday and she maybe has like cold brew in her hand or she has wine in her hand or something. But what does that matter? Like, how do I then get that client in the door of my business. And so I think the why is even more important in being able to actually speak to them and actually relate with them and things like that. So I think that is really the reason that you would do that. And as far as the client profile goes, I mean, how thorough should it be? You know, like, are we, are you looking for a paragraph on, on this? I mean, do you have a resource that you have people go through in order to create this client profile or or avatar? 
my resource for it is basically it's a piece of the homework that I give my clients at the beginning of our process, but I think it needs to be as thorough as possible for you to be able to envision that client in your mind's eye. So I think it really is more so a visualization tool than anything else, because it's not like you're going to go to Target at 3 p.m. and pass out a flyer. I think Becky and Jesse might go pass out flyers sure. at Target, <laughs> but I wouldn't necessarily suggest that for marketing purposes. If you listen to the podcast, Becky and Jesse <laughs> were on one of the earlier episodes, you know, one of the first 20 episodes, I'd say. So you should go back, listen to that episode. But that's how they got started with, I think it was family portraits they were trying to book yep. and they went and handed out flyers in the park, you know, so a for right. hustle. Yes. You know, not so much for effective marketing strategies. Yeah. A, so. a plus for creepy as yeah. well. But <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think they talked about how it was good that it was Becky handing them out and not Jesse because that would have been worse. But yeah, that's true. The that's point true. is to really be able to envision that person as if they were real because once you start speaking to them, those real people will start to come into your business. And then that shows you that you're doing something right, that you're attracting the right people. So one question that we get is people with multiple services that sometimes have different client avatars. So do you mm -hmm. have, do you have somebody create a client avatar, more than one client avatar? So I guess more than one profile for each service. So for instance, when we were shooting, we, we shot both weddings and families, for instance. So those people, while they share some similarities, different seasons of life, that sort of thing. So would you have people create multiple client profiles? I would. Yeah. And I think it's important when you're writing your copy to only be speaking to one at a time, but that gets really difficult on like a homepage, for example. So something that you can do is you can create those two separate things, but then you can go through the why aspects and you can trace the commonalities between those two. So maybe some of their whys are similar. Maybe they have similar values. Maybe they have similar dreams or hopes or fears or whatever. And so that allows you to be able to speak to both of them at the same time on something like a homepage or through your Instagram captions or things like that. But when you're speaking about your services, I would suggest just speaking to one at a time. Yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense. And I, I think that's a common mistake we see is people trying to do too much, maybe speak to too many different kinds of people on their on something mm -hmm. like their homepage, or even just you know, like you said, not speaking to a single person at all, keeping it so broad that it really ends up connecting with nobody at all. Mm -hmm. And again, depending on the situation, it might be more difficult in some situations in order to write copy effectively for multiple different avatars than others. For us, one thing that we did when we were shooting was, you know, we were primarily wedding photographers. That was our core service. That's what brought in the most revenue. That's what we wanted to focus on. And so as a result, our homepage was you know, mostly focused on wedding photography, whereas we had just a, another page on our website for family photography where we could connect with people who were, who were interested in that service there. You know, and there's often people who are just looking for photographers or past brides, you know, who mm -hmm. went on and a couple of years later, they were, they were starting a family and, you know, wanted a family session. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. So the client profile, we do find, I mean, sometimes it's challenging for clients to create a client profile, but most of the time I feel like once you give people the prompts, they're able to get through 
that portion of things. I think mm-hmm. really where people struggle is they create their client profile and then it's in taking the next step. You know, how do you move beyond the client profile to actually creating copy on your website that engages those people, you know, in a creative way that's, you know, personal and and unique to your brand's voice. Mm-hmm. And that's, yeah, a, I mean, I, I understand think, that's kind of a loaded question. So yeah. <laughs> you know, it's like, we there's have a lot like behind that, but ideal client voice, website copy, all of that stuff all in one. But I think that this kind of method that I'm going to talk about can speak to all of those things at the same time. And so I am going to give three different questions that I feel like you should ask. Once you have your ideal client profile established, these three questions can help you get inside that person's head and really speak to them at any point in their journey. And so it's really helpful. So the first question, we're going to go with Karen because that's the client that we've established. Sure. The first question is, where is Karen right now? Where is she mentally and where is she emotionally? So we're going to think about what's going on inside of Karen's head in relation to like what you do. So I'm going to root this in an example of one of my clients that we did. Her business is a nutrition business. And so if anything is saturated, it's the health and fitness industry. So we were trying to really hone in on specificity for that. So we asked like, what is your ideal client tired of? What does she fear? Things like that. And so we established at the beginning that she's tired of dieting. She's tired of trying things that don't work. She's afraid that she's not cut out to be fit, that she's not like a fit or healthy person. And she really is wanting and looking for quick wins, but also long-term results. So that was kind of what we landed on for the, where is she right now? And then the second question is where does Karen want to be? Like, what is she hoping for? What is she dreaming of? Who does she aspire to be? All of those kinds of things. And so with this client, we thought about that person who was tired of dieting, tired of things that didn't work. And we established that she wants to be fit, but she also wants to be happy. She wants it to be kind of effortless so that she's not worrying about things all the time. And she wants to enjoy her health and fitness and all of that kind of stuff. So that person's mindset that we landed on is related to health and fitness, but it's very different from like somebody who's like bodybuilding or something like that. And so that kind of like gave us a specific place to set up camp. Sure. But the third question is the most magical. And that can I ask you a couple questions about these first two, just digging into these first two questions. So would it be correct to say that the first question is focusing mostly on that person's, you know, pain point and struggle? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And even just like pain point and struggle, I feel like is sometimes hard because sometimes they're just stagnant. And that's important to know too. So they maybe are not pain aware yet, but they're experiencing a problem and they are trying to kind of like define where they are. And so I think that that is an important thing to think about in that step, but also just thinking like, where are they in their life? Where are they in their business? Like things like that. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I, you know, I like, you know, how you phrase it, that it's not necessarily, they're not necessarily pain aware 
it might not be a pain point in the typical sense that we think about we think about pain one of my favorite examples of this is a dollar shave club so i'm not sure if you're familiar with mm-hmm. dollar yeah. shave club but they're massive now i think they were bought by you know some massive distributor but when they first started they got their their start from a youtube video it was just a funny youtube video that they started but their their commercials were just around the struggle of buying a good razor you know so they'd have these funny commercials where there's a guy trying to get into you know if you go to the grocery store and try to buy a razor sometimes the razors are locked up in a box so you have to track somebody down to go and unlock the razors and anyways i encourage you maybe i'll post in the show notes an example of one of their commercials but I actually ended up subscribing to Dollar Shave Club and it was never a problem that I was really aware of, you know, Mm -hmm. but I immediately connected with like going to the grocery store and realizing, okay, now I have to find somebody to unlock this case so I can get a razor out and how annoying that was. But I never necessarily thought to myself, oh, this is a problem that that could be solved you know, by another, you know, business or something like that. Right. So I think that's mm-hmm. a, a perfect example, kind of what you're talking about. Somebody not necessarily, there being a, a pain problem, but not somebody not necessarily being pain aware. Right. Right. And I think Joanna Weeb from, I think that's how you say her name from copy hackers always says that you're not selling a product. You're not selling a service. You are selling a better version of your prospect. And I think that's really important because sometimes people don't know that there's better out there for your shaving experience or for your razor buying experience. But if you can show them that, then everybody wants better and everybody wants improvement. So I think that's really powerful. Yeah, I think I think that's well put. So mm-hmm. focusing on two, is that really kind of, uh, is question two really that focus on the better version of somebody's self? Yeah. So I think a lot of people go to this question and think like, what do they need? But even more so, what do they want? Like, what do they really, who do they want to be? And who do they like envision themselves being at some point, or they have the potential to be? Because if you can help them get there, then they'll be your customer client forever. Sure, sure. Yeah, and I I like that too. Again, I think there's that that distinction between features and benefits. Yes. You know, going back to wedding photography as an example, do people really care about the amount of photos that you're going to provide them or do they care about the kinds of photos or the kinds of memories that you're going to capture? Right. And I think focusing on the amount of photos, you know, the features more than the benefits is a, is generally a mistake when it comes to copy. So mm-hmm. we have those first two questions. Where is Karen mm-hmm. right now? mentally and emotionally, you know, and you went through Mm -hmm. a list of stuff that specifically that she was tired of and struggling with. And question two, where does Karen want to be? And so I'm excited Mm -hmm. to hear what question three is, because you were just telling us that that's the, that's the magic question. Yeah. Question three is the magic question because question three is what are all the things that are standing in Karen's way between who she is now and who she wants to be? And I think that this method, if you've heard of it before, it's thought of a lot in terms of just sales, but I think it's really important too, in terms of just general connection and just growing that depth of connection with your ideal clients. And so all of the obstacles that are standing in her way are if you can solve any of those, or even if you can just speak to them and show her that you see her in that moment, then she's more willing to see that possibility of where she wants to be. And so all of the magic happens there. So for this client, what was standing in the way was the punishing mindset of health and fitness, 
was approaching wellness from a food only aspect. And so for this client, the way that we attacked it is we established a page that were the eight pillars of wellness. And so that was things like eating, sleep, exercise, stress, all of those other factors that go into wellness. And then we established a tagline for her that was uncover forever wellness. And so that was really digging deep within yourself to uncover that health and wellness that could be forever, that could be effortless, that could be sustainable. And so that was how we attacked it in that way. That's awesome. And so these are the three questions, right? There's no more questions. Right. 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 Yeah. So we have mm-hmm. these three questions. How do we take those and move into, you know, kind of tackling the copy on our website? Let's say. I think mm-hmm. sometimes people hesitate repeating themselves. You know, so they they may go through an exercise like this and then go write their homepage and think, okay, I nailed the homepage. But then they get onto a services page and they feel like, oh, well, I just said that on a homepage. So, what tips do you have for people who are trying to take an activity like this and then go write copy for their website? Well, number one, I think don't be afraid to repeat yourself because if we learn anything from high school students, even if they hear you, they don't actually hear you. Sure. And I think that the statistic is that it takes six to eight touch points to create a viable sales lead. And those are actual touch points. So that means that the message has to actually touch them. And then you have to do it five to seven more times from there. So I don't think that we should be afraid of repeating ourselves, especially if it is a really solid, like drop the mic kind of statement. But I think that going from the goal is to kind of take them from where they are now to agitating that feeling of the obstacles that they're going through to showing them what's possible in the future for them. So showing them that you can take them to where they want to go so that the framework is called problem agitation solution PAS. So the problem is where Karen is right now. And the agitation is all of the obstacles standing in her way. And then the solutions are your services. So I think it's important on like a services page to hit all of those points because As we talked about before, I think when people get to a services page, they just want to bullet point out the features, but we have to show them themselves on the page before they recognize that those features are going to be something that they need. So I would say that for like a services page. Yeah. Yeah. And like you said, towards the beginning here of those questions, I think that's so important because some people don't just aren't problem aware. Mm -hmm. And I think that's probably true for you know, especially in the creative industry, right? A lot of these, as I just think through, you know, a lot of different examples in the creative industry, certainly in the wedding world, a lot of those are luxury, you know, purchases. So they're mm-hmm. they're not necessarily things that you absolutely maybe 100% need, you know? Right. So I, I think demonstrating what the problem is, showing people kind of themselves and what could happen, you know, if they don't do anything mm-hmm. of the problem, not going through that agitation step, you know, you run the risk of people kind of asking themselves at the end, well, well, why do I need to invest in this? You know, like mm-hmm. I see, even if I see what you can do, why do I need to invest in this? Yeah. And I think another point to include in your copy in order to address that are core values and really making those front and center. And if you can express your core values in a way that that person identifies with them, they're going to be purchasing that core value 
instead of just purchasing like the service. And that is what like sets it apart and makes it different. Sure. So as people tackle the copy on their website or really in any, you know, sort of marketing material, you have certain mistakes that you see people often make, you know, so if, for those people listening who aren't maybe in a position to hire a copywriter right now, what mistakes mm-hmm. should they avoid as they tackle their own copy? I think mistake number one would be not speaking to anyone and just laying out information on your website. But mistake number two, once you start speaking to someone, a lot of people just leave it in one ginormous chunk on their website. And I don't know about anybody else, but I'm a reader. Like I really like to read, but if I see an overwhelming paragraph on a web page, I'm just going to skip over it. And so really sectioning out that copy in a way that makes it manageable and digestible is really important because even if you have the greatest copy in the world, nobody's going to read it if it's just in one big chunk. And I kind of think about it as like going to coffee with a friend because I feel like great coffee should be the closest thing to like sitting down with you in person. And so when you go to coffee with a friend, you're not just going to sit down and just blurt out things for like 45 minutes without taking a breath or letting them interject or interacting or anything like that. And so the same is true of your copy. You need to like take breaths and you need to give them a chance to digest and think about it and all of that kind of stuff. So those would be some major ones. And then lastly, not giving people something to do. And so can you talk a little bit more about that? Yep. So when somebody lands on your website, whether they're looking for something or not, if you don't tell them what to do, where to go, where to find the next great thing, then they're going to leave because we have a very short amount of time to capture their attention. And the analogy that I use for this one is kind of like when a kid brings their friend over to their grandparents' house. They want to show them where all the good snacks are and they want to show them like the tree house and like where to find the really good stuff. And so you have to do that on your website as well. You have to show them where to find your resources, where to contact you, where to find all the value. Otherwise, they're just going to get lost and go to the next thing. Yeah. And I think we think that people want, you know, all of these different choices, but they really want to be told, you know, what to do, what step should I take next? You know, I think there's confidence and security in something like that. And so I think Mm -hmm. the opposite mistake is including maybe too many different calls to actions instead of guiding Mm -hmm. somebody kind of taking them by the hand and leading them through your website or your copy or whatever, or the steps might be that you want them to take. So, you know, we always tell people, aim to have one really strong, you know, call to action on each page, Mm -hmm. you know, but don't have a ton of them because you really want to guide people through taking the next steps. So I know that you have additional resources available for people that want to dive more into this. Maybe if you are trying to write your website copy or you're trying to write other copy for marketing collateral, or you're trying to craft Instagram captions or Facebook captions or whatever it might be, I know that you have Mm -hmm. resources for people. So can you talk a little bit about where people should go next? Yeah. So I have 
from this podcast, you should have a little bit better of an idea of like what to say, but everybody's next question is how do I say it in a way that like actually sounds like me and doesn't sound like a robot and things like that. And so I have a resource called the uncover your brand voice guide, and that will walk you through the process of uncovering that brand voice that you really already have inside of you instead of trying to create something from nothing. And so that you guys can find at jessicajordana.com slash brands that book. And you can also connect with me there because I would love to connect with everyone. Awesome. And I'll make sure that that's included in the show notes as well, link to that. So if you head to the show notes, you'll be able to access the uncover your brand voice guide and, you know, learn the next steps for learning, you know, how to say, Mm -hmm. you know, what it is that a lot of what we talked about today. Jess, I want to thank you for your time today and sharing your expertise with us. Would you mind letting us know where we can follow along with you? Mm -hmm. Instagram is always the best place. So I'm at just Jordana on Instagram and go ahead and be creepy and slide into those DMS. And I would love to say hi to everyone. And then my website is jessicajordana.com. Awesome. Well, thank you. Yeah. Thank you so much. Thanks for tuning in to the Brands That Book Show. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider subscribing and leaving a review in iTunes. For show notes and other resources, head on over to DeviantCrista.com.